0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time that we have to spend time in your word. We ask that you would bless And we thank you for the time that we've had together, five whole hours this week, to study Revelation and the rest of the Bible and the three angels' messages. Lord, what a privilege to sit at your feet. Lord, we preach by faith and we hear by faith. We say this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in the first presentation, I mentioned the phrase present truth. Was the phrase the present truth the first time you've ever heard that, that phrase, the present truth? You can turn me down a little bit because i'm definitely going to be louder than this so so the present truth was taken from the book of first peter and we said that there has been a present truth for each age in adam and eve's time it was there's going to be an angel that will try to deceive you so don't eat of the forbidden tree right and then in noah's time the present truth was build a boat and get in it and you can be saved and the time of Christ, what were the people constantly trying to get people to worship Jesus as? Creator, sacrifice, lamb, priest, or king? Those are the basic offices of Jesus. They were trying to worship him as king. Now, why should they not have worshiped him as king? Right? Think Daniel chapter 2. When did the rock strike the image on the feet? When were they living during the legs of iron? So the, the, Daniel 2.44 says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So Jesus' ministry on earth was never supposed to be an earthly kingship. It was supposed to be a sacrifice, right? So Satan has always tried to have God's people either one ahead or one forward, just not on present truth. Now today, Christ's present day ministry is what? High priest. But today, most people worship in the holy place only and receive Jesus as sacrifice. You understand what i'm saying have you ever heard that this the the um the 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 vision that ellen white had in the book early writings where she saw jesus sitting on the throne in the holy place and then he got up in 1844 and went to sit on the throne in the most holy place and the people who did not keep their eyes on jesus saw Saw not Jesus but Satan, and they didn't realize that it was Satan who was still on the throne in the holy place, and so they were literally worshiping Satan. Right? Doesn't that square with Revelation thirteen? And they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. Right? So everything that you read in the spirit of prophecy, you can somehow, some way, prove with with the scriptures for the most part. Now, Enoch sitting on a planet with seven moons. Good luck with that one from the scriptures. But for the most part, everything that you can, that the principally, what you read in the spirit of prophecy, you can find in the Bible, right? So today, we worship Jesus as high priest, right? His present ministry is high priest. We worship him as creator, lamb, priest, and king because those are his offices. But specifically for today, we are in the most holy place worshiping Jesus as as high priest. Most of the world is worshiping Jesus as sacrifice. He is our lamb, right? So what we want is present day truth. Daniel 8.14, would help if I turn it on. Daniel, and plug it in. Aha. Daniel 8.14, in my three favorite versions, NASB, ESV, NIV, the King James and the New King James says, sanctuary shall be cleansed. But when you look it up in these other versions, notice what it says. The the holy place or the sanctuary will be properly what? Restored. That's the NASB, which is the version closest to the original language. And then in Daniel 8.14, it says the sanctuary shall be what? Restored to its rightful state. And then in the NIV, it says, then the sanctuary will be what? Reconsecrated. What does the original language say? Before I go to that, I want to give you another little arrow on the, I just learned this, on, on the, um, like Kendra pretty much knows everything I know because I've been at Troy for the last eight years and she was a church member. So, yeah. So that's our job, to tell you everything we know, right? So, When it says 2,300 evenings and mornings and the sanctuary be cleansed, for the Jewish mind, what was the cleansing of the sanctuary? The 10th day of the seventh month, right? So 2,300 day of atonements later brings you to the time of the the cleansing of the sanctuary. Do you get it? So it has to be a day per year because there's 2,300 cleansing of the sanctuaries. There's 2,300 day of atonements. It doesn't make sense any other way. Okay, so there's another little arrow for you for the, for the day per year principle. And by the way, the literal rending um, in Daniel chapter 9 is 70 weeks of years. That's what it literally means. So when it says seventy sevens, it's 70 weeks of years. So you don't need Ezekiel 4.6 and Numbers 14.34, which have nothing to do with the prophecies of, of Daniel and Revelation. They have to do with their immediate text. If you look at the original languages and you just read what it says, it says 2,300 evenings, evenings and mornings. That's 2,300 day of atonements. There's one day of atonement per year, so 2,300 day of atonements is 2,300 years. Make sense? That's why you got to keep studying, right? Because you just learn new things. What's that song? Sing them over again to me. There you go. So the Hebrew word for cleanse is this Hebrew word, sadak, right? Sadak. It means to be what? So this is the Hebrew word for cleanse. It means to be right. So when it says restored or put back to its place, that's absolutely a a wonderful translation. So, So why does the sanctuary need to be restored? Why does it need to be put back right? Daniel 8 verse 11 says, And he even, he is who? Who is the he? It's the little horn. I don't have to tell you who the little horn is. You already know who we're talking about. So this little horn and the power behind the little horn specifically, he even exalted himself as high as the Prince of Hosts, which sounds a lot like Isaiah 14 where it says, I will be like the most high. So the little horn wanted to be like the the Prince of the Host and Lucifer wanted to be like the most high because the power behind the little horn is none other than Satan. You tracking? Okay, he exalted himself as high as Jesus, the prince of the host, and by him, the little horn, the tamid, which is all things sanctuary, all things, whether it's the priest, whether it's the daily or the day of atonement, it's all of it, okay? And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away and the place of his sanctuary was what? That's why it needs to be restored because the little horn cast it down. How did it cast it down? We're gonna talk about that today. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, or the sanctuary, whole system, and he cast truth to the ground, he did all this and just got by. What did it say? he prospered so he had a lot of things that he accomplished during that 1260 year period now in, in Revelation 13 here is the verse that corresponds to Daniel 11 and 12 Revelation 13 then he opened his mouth in blasphemy what is blasphemy man claiming to forgive sins man claiming to be God that's what the Bible says Mark 2, 7, man claiming to to forgive sins, man claiming to be God, John 10, verse 33. Write it down and check it. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy, in other words, replacing God with someone else against God to blaspheme his name and his what? Right? So the other one was the daily, which refers to the sanctuary, the whole service, but here the beast's power is blaspheming also God and his which is synonymous with the sanctuary. So this is why the sanctuary needs to be restored. So the little horn or the beast's power, this literally just appeared because I was, I'm really thirsty. The little horn or beast power attempts to replace Jesus as we saw in Revelation 13 as lawgiver and now in Daniel chapter 8 he tries to replace him as high priest by getting rid of the sanctuary power and setting up an earthly priesthood and we're going to show you how that happened so why is there not more of a focus on the earthly on the heavenly high priestly ministry of Jesus as our high priest and for the most part, what you'll hear in the evangelical world is it all was completed at the cross. Is everything completed at the cross? Okay, now let's think Leviticus 16. Who can tell me what Leviticus 16 is about? That's the Day of Atonement, right? Whole chapter, Day of Atonement. When the Lord's goat was sacrificed, was the Day of Atonement completed? So was everything done at the sacrifice of the Lord's goat? So was everything completed at the cross? Atonement had been provided at the cross, but the process of atonement was not completed. That's a very important sentence. Atonement was provided at the cross, but the process of atonement was not over because in my evangelistic meetings, I have a slide of a goat being taken out into a land of, that is like uh, barren and cracked desert, and the caption says, the day of, of atonement is not over until the scapegoat dies. Amen? The Day of Atonement did not end until the scapegoat dies. And so when Satan kneels down and says that everything that is about to happen, is just and fair and at last Satan is the very last person to vindicate the character of God by the way and then fire comes down from heaven and devours him and all the other wicked and then the earth burns up that's him taking the sins into the land of separation and that's the he's the antitypical scapegoat so let's reason this through from scripture after Jesus died what must he do I mean, I don't ask trick questions. I'm just being just chronological. What must he do? He must resu- re- resurrect. Because in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, if Christ did not resurrect, you are still in your sins. You are all most pitiful people because you are following a crucified deliverer. Crucified Messiah. Crucifixion was meant that sign that was put up over Jesus' head was Pilate saying he was supposed to be your king and you want him dead, meaning you have chosen us as your leader, not him. Okay, That was a very meaningful thing, and Pilate knew exactly what he was doing when when he put that that sign up there in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Okay, So he must resurrect, because if he didn't resurrect, Christianity has no meaning at all. It's just another world religion. Then what must he do next? He must go to heaven, right? He gave the disciples a great commission right before he left, but he must go back to heaven. But then when he gets to heaven, what must he do? He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Got to have somewhere to sit when you get to heaven. So he goes to prepare our mansions for us. But then what happens after that? The Bible says that he he is our intercessor in Hebrews 7.25 and many other places. He must do his high priestly thing. But then what must happen, happen after that? He must come again so that he may receive us unto himself. A good state of the dead, A good state of the dead point is that we don't go to heaven until he comes again because the reason that Jesus himself said was for him to come again was so that he would receive us unto himself so that where he is, they may be there also. So we don't die and go to heaven because Jesus' own word says that we're back together at the second coming. Make sense? Okay. Right. Right. Then, after we get back to heaven, what does the Bible say we do for a thousand years in Revelation 20? We get to have a review of God's judgment, right? Then what must happen after that? Heaven comes back down, then what happens next? The wicked are resurrected, there's the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20, and then what happens next? God's character is vindicated, but then what happens after that? Fire comes down from heaven, destroys the earth. Okay, what's after that? There's a creation of the new earth, and then God has a clean universe, and the whole process of atonement is complete. Okay, so how many things was that? It was like eight or nine, ten things that have to happen after the cross? So the process of atonement is completed after the, res- after the creation of the new earth, but atonement was provided full and free at the cross, friends. Just chronologically, reason scripturally and and say it with a smile on your face and and don't try to be combative. Just ask questions. The best way to lead people to a decision is by leading them through a series of questions. Okay, here's a short lesson on Christian history which tells us how the, the bishops were uplifted. What you're thinking, hats on, because you're about to go to school. This is what I learned at Andrews and Seminary. How did this happen in early Christian church history? It happened over a period of about 500 years. Meet Ignatius. Now, these early church fathers were good people, and I expect to see many of them in heaven. Okay, Ignatius was the bishop of Antioch. He was martyred under the persecution of Trajan. At the arena by animals Now if you're willing to be eaten alive by animals Which I would imagine wouldn't feel too good You must love the Lord Right? Okay So he lived from 110 You know to 130, 130 AD So obviously not very old guy Right? He solved the problem of unity If you concentrate all the power in one man he elevates the bishops to a place of authority. Okay? So if you uplift the bishop and put all the power centralized in one man, that creates unity because now one person's telling everybody what to do. He develops a system of organization in the Roman Catholic Church and which a lot of other churches use today it's bishop, priest, elder, deacon. Okay? The system is the bishop is the show And now the church runs through the bishop If you obey the bishop, you obey God If you do not obey the bishop, you do not obey God He is responsible for the first known use of the Greek word katholikos, which is a perfectly good word Catholic is a perfectly fine word Which simply means universal or of the whole Alright, so we what is another word for the mass the eucharist when what does it mean if you could read the bible in greek it says when jesus took the bread blessed it and gave thanks that greek phrase is eucharisto it's a perfectly good word okay so it means catholicos means according to the whole universal complete and hold to describe the church in a letter to the Smyrnians, like the Church of Smyrna in the seven letters of, uh, of John in Revelation 2 and 3. He used this phrase as if it were already in use, speaking of the church as Catholicos or Catholic. Here is the portion of the letter where he uses it. Watch this wherever the bishop appears there let the people be as wherever Jesus Christ is there is the catholic church do you see it what's the inf- what's the implication if the bishop is not there then who else is not there Jesus so now the bishop is the show the church runs through the bishops so wherever the bishop appears let their let the people be wherever Jesus Christ is there the catholic church is so wherever there is not a bishop the church is not there that go against acts 2 and 3 okay so this is how it happened it happened very slowly it is not lawful to baptize or give communion without the consent of the bishops On the other hand, whatever has his approval is pleasing to who? To God. And their biblical support that they use for this is whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. I think they take that a little bit too far. Thus, whatever is done will be safe and valid. So he used this word as catholicos. So if you take the word to use it exactly how it means, there's two Catholic churches in the world. To the truest sense of the word universal. It's the Roman Catholic Church and the Adventist Catholic Church. And I mean Adventist Catholic Church in the sense of there are two churches that you can go into the entire world, and there are two. And it's the Seventh-day Adventist Church and the Catholic Church. That's how I mean that word. So don't read in anything more into that and into exactly what I just said. So before Ignatius there could be many bishops but after him there is only one bishop and the bishops become elders and the elders now become priests. Now I'm going to throw a bunch of Latin phrases at you today it's all on your handout this led to the term mon episcopate which means one bishop per region so by the end of the second century all the cities had mon episcopate one bishop per region this evolved into the concept of obedience to the bishop equals obedience to Jesus disobedience to the bishop means disobedient To Jesus. Next, we have Tertullian. He introduced the term ordinatio or ordination into the church during his life. Where does the term ordination come from? I'm not saying ordination is bad, I believe it's a biblical term but the history of the word ordination comes from when a a roman was moving up into like the senate he would be ordinatioed into that position a soldier would move up into the rankings um, he would be ordinatioed into the, the the next position all right so if he introduced this term ordination Into the church during his life He was using it as a bridge To help pagans become Christians either He was using it to, to the expression of You ordinatio, we ordinatio. See, when we 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 see that someone has been given the gift of soul winning, we lay our hands, we ordain them, and they are a pastor. And when someone moves up in the ranks, we you lay their hands and ordain them, and now they are a senator or whatever. So he was trying to make it familiar so that Christianity wasn't so weird. And friends, this isn't really that bad of a move because there was a lot of superstition that was about Christianity they were called cannibals any idea why because of the Last Supper we eat the body of Christ and drink his blood right if you didn't know what that meant you would think that was really weird Right, Nero blamed uh, the Christians on starting a fire when it was he himself that started that fire. And so Satan was bringing up all kinds of superstition and taking advantage of the ignorance of people so that they wouldn't hear the truth about Jesus and they would still be subject to his kingdom. Okay? So you ordain, we ordain. We're not that different. Tertullian also introduced the idea between clergy and laity before then they were all they were all missionaries for god equal just called to different offices okay he introduced ordo clericum versus ordo laicrum okay the ordination of the bishops and the ordination of the uh the 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 laity So the church would dress in rags, but the bishop would come in, and a lot of times, if this was like a cathedral, have you ever seen pictures where the desk or the pulpit where the bishop would conduct the mass? It would be way up there, and the church would be breaking their neck to look way up there because the bishops would start to be elevated. This was done so that you would not You would not uh, question the priest. Friends, this is what's called spiritual manipulation. Okay? Spiritual manipulation. This led to honor for the clergy and a downgrading of the laity. So we are headed in the direction of the church being ran by the bishops and the priests. Irenaeus, Irenaeus, 130 to 202 AD, invented apostolic succession. What's apostolic succession? There is an unbroken line of leadership, a chain from the present pope all the way back to St. Peter, okay? Now, give me some Bible arguments why St. Peter couldn't have been the first pope. Jesus said, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The Greek word for Peter is petros, which is little pebble that you can just kick or flick, right? When he said upon this rock, I will build my church. He switched the word from Petras to Petra, which is big rock, big rock. And then later in 1 Peter, it says the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone is the first stone that is set in a building, and then all the other stones are set after that so that it's square. Jesus is the first stone right that the whole church is patterned after and then in I think it's Matthew 21 Jesus said fall on this rock right fall on this rock and you will be broken but if the rock hits you it will grind you into powder which is an allusion to Daniel chapter 2 so many times in Scripture Jesus referred to himself as a rock and what was the argument that that was going on at the Last Supper Okay, so if Jesus made Peter the first pope, the rest of the disciples didn't know because the argument was, who's the greatest? And then when you when you do a survey of the book of Acts, who was the leader of the New Testament Christian church? It was James the brother of Jesus who wrote the book of James James was the leader and that's why in Galatians chapter 1 Paul said I at last went to James because James would be the final one who would say yes this man is an apostle and his message is therefore from God so you need to listen to him not these circumcising uh, law-keeping Jews law of Moses you understand okay so he invented apostolic succession. So when you say something to a Catholic... Yes? I think so. I think so. And the church was centralized in Rome. I think so. And so, and so um, what was I saying? He invented uh, the concept of apostolic succession in the second century, which is the foundation of the Roman Catholic faith. Okay. I guess I'll just have to move on. So he developed the concept of charisma veritas certum which in english means the gift of truth so this means that when a catholic priest is ordained they are going to tell you the truth and they can't be wrong so oh here's what i was going to say so when you say something like i go to church on the sabbath because it's the seventh day of the week they're gonna and you say that's not biblical biblical is not how catholics think the real good Catholics, they don't think. What does the Bible say? That's what I will do. They think. What does my priest say? And what gets me, what gets me um, access to the seven sacraments? That's how real Catholics think, right? Because there's Catholics of all different types of, of uh, commitment level, and to the real law unto the testimony Catholics, they will never question the priest because he has the the, the gift of truth, charisma, which means gifts like. The charismatic movement is a church that is based on the gifts. That's what the the Greek word for gift is, charisma. Okay? So that's the gift of truth, which means once a priest or bishop is ordained, they cannot make mistakes because they have the gift of truth. So when a priest is ordained, they are different from the laity. They are better than the laity. Ever since then, there is a difference in the church between leadership and membership. Big difference. Then here comes Cyprian. Cyprian was the bishop of Carthage. He developed the idea that pastors now become priests. He died September 14, uh, 258 A.D. by the sword. Remember, and uh, and, uh, I think it was... My verses are all running up into each other. The verse that says in, in the book of Mark where the, the temple veil was ripped in, in two from top to bottom, I think it's Mark ten fifty eight. but anyway. So it was ripped from top to bottom because it was probably God sent two angels to do it or an angel, right? In his church, he, took a, he, he made a veil and, and ripped it and then sewed it back up as an object lesson, that the way to access God is now through the priests or the bishops, okay? So he sewed up a curtain to show that the priests are the mediators between God and man. So when a priest is ordained, he is now different because he has the gift of truth, and in this model, the way to God is only through the priests, this is why who can tell me what this phrase extra ecclesium Nala solace who can tell me what that means Outside of the church no salvation Outside the church extra ecclesium Nala solace outside of the church no salvation Because if you don't have access to the bishop you don't have access to Jesus Right, okay, so we're, we're, we're moving moving along here This led to the phrase in persona Christi capitus. In persona Christi is a Latin phrase meaning in the person of Christ, an important concept in Roman Catholicism and in varying degrees to other Christian traditions. A priest in persona Christi because he acts as Christ and as God. An extended term in persona Christi, capitus, in the person of Christ, the head was introduced into the catechism of the Catholic Church. Now, I had to read 300 pages of the catechism, and Dr. Jankiewicz picked the juiciest 300 and some best pages, and let me tell you, it is fascinating. The catechism is actually more Christ-centered than you would, than you would think. You'd do good to read some of it. But... Don't read too much of it. Oh, man. I, when, when we took these classes at, at Andrews, it was 1,000 pages per, you just, we were going to read 1,000 pages per, um, per class, and you were reading all the time. Like my buddy Corey Herthel invited me to go to Red Robin with him, and uh, I was sitting in the foyer reading the catechism doing homework, and there were people were walking by me, and uh, one, one furry-haired man came up to me, an Italian guy, because most Italians are what? Catholics. And so when, one guy came up to me. He's like, you got that thing memorized? I said, no. He said, welcome to the family, son. <laughs> oh, man. I felt dirty. Anyway, so, so the ordained priest now functions in the place of Jesus. So I guess you got to watch what you're reading in public, right? So let's zoom in. This is the catechism. This is like the 28 fundamental beliefs for them. Okay, It is the same Let's read up here In the ecclesiastical service of the ordained ministry It is Christ himself who is present to his church The head of his body Shepherd of his flock High priest of the redemptive sacrifice Teacher of truth This is what the church means by saying The priest by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders Acts in persona Christi Capitus So there it is It is the same priest, Jesus Christ, whose sacred person his minister truly represents. Who is the representative of Jesus on earth today? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when I go, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send you another. He will be with you and in you, even the spirit of truth. Okay, so it's like Jesus took the hand of the church, grabbed the hand of the Holy Spirit, and let go, and now the Holy Spirit is the guide of the New Testament Christian church in our time. Okay? Now the minister, by reason of the sacerdotal consecration which he has received, is truly made like to the high priest and possesses the authority to act in the power and place of the person of Christ himself. Virtue act persona ipsis Christi. Ipsis is I think Jesus in Latin Christ is the source of all priesthood the priest of the old law was a figure of Christ and the priest of the new law acts in the person of Christ anti-Christ anti means in place of in office of instead of Okay? Through the ordained ministry, especially that of bishops and priests, the presence of Christ as the head of the church is made visible in the midst of the community of believers. So where the priest is, there let who be? Jesus. So where the priest is not, who is not present? Jesus. There you go. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the leader of the church and is in God's place. Amen? Next, we have Augustine of Hippo. Hippo is like North Africa, kind of where the Vandals were were from. He lived 354 to 430 um, A.D. He defines what a sacrament is. For him, a sacrament, now we have sacraments, a sacrament is the visible sign of an invisible grace. They are efficacious. Does anybody know what the word efficacious means? You have a headache, you take an aspirin, it works no matter what. It takes away your, your, your headache, right? That's efficacious. The sacraments work no matter what. And after I learned this word, efficacious, I now understood what many people who were Catholic, when I used to be a Bible worker, I used to go around and look for Bible studies and take them to my evangelistic meetings later on. I did Bible work for two years after I graduated rise and Mission College. And what they would say is, part of my survey was, are you satisfied with your knowledge of the Bible? And they said, no, but I'm a Catholic. What do they mean? I have access to the priest, which means I have access to the seven sacraments. I am saved. That's what they mean. That's exactly what they mean. So for him, a sacrament is the visible sign of an invisible grace. They are efficacious. They literally make a change on the soul. What are the seven sacraments? They are baptism, communion, confirmation, penance, holy orders, which is the the ordination of the priests, marriage, and last rites, okay? And this this is like really, really important stuff here because I remember watching a documentary on uh, JFK when they took him to the hospital. They called for the priest to give him last rites. The priest didn't get there until three hours after he arrived. I think it was Parkville Memorial there in Dallas, Texas, You all know that when that second bullet hit, you know why Jackie Kennedy went to the back of of the limo? She was gathering brain matter and, and skull fragments. He was gone. When that second bullet, and I assume, I believe that, you know, I don't believe the official story. When that second bullet hit him, he was gone, okay? But three hours later, the priest read him his last rites, and his words were, I have read him, the sacrament of last rites. I am certain that his soul has not gone to heaven yet. The president will be a saved man. They are dead serious about this stuff, okay? It's super, it's super interesting to me. So the sacraments, as long as you have access to the church, you have access to the bishop, which means you have access to the sacraments. They work no matter what, no matter how promiscuous you are no matter how bad you are no matter what you have the sacraments they work it is their version of once saved always saved augustine also brought this this concept of character indelibus dominicus character which means a seal in the soul that cannot be deleted once you go through and you are in the process of receiving the sacraments, it, you, you're literally a different person. Now, we believe that baptism is a symbol of death to self, resurrection into Christ, right? It's a symbol. Conversion has already taken place before baptism. At least it should. Amen. But for Roman Catholics, sanctification equals partaking of the seven sacraments during the life. No matter what you do. So, this is why extra ecclesium nulla solace. Outside the church, no salvation. Because without the church, there is no access to the sacraments. Friends, this is why you can't just try to dismantle their individual beliefs. You must pray that the Spirit will come upon them, number one, and you must preach Jesus. Talking to them about veganism is almost pointless okay you must be nice you must be sweet you must tell them about about jesus and the way to win a catholic is not by telling them that that their church is the antichrist and they're going to make the whole world worship on sunday one day not a good idea because you heard that at what like night 15 or 20 at an evangelistic meeting right so when a catholic who's a real catholic leaves the catholic church They are leaving their safety net of salvation. Do you understand what I'm I'm trying to say? You are leaving the safety net to where you have to depend on Jesus only and not the priest, not the sacraments. You have to trust Jesus only. Have you? Okay, is is what I'm saying true? Okay, there you go. So, you have to trust Jesus only and this is why it was so hard for Martin Luther to take his stand because he was used to penance he was used to the sacraments that it was freedom and liberty for him to trust Jesus only and be righteous by faith not by works okay so this is also why why this is also why when new catholics come into the church you should be respectful to the pastor, not because I'm a pastor and I'm trying to pad my, my place. You should be respectful for the, to the pastors because, one, they are preaching God's gospel, right? So if you respect pastors, you respect the gospel, amen? Pastors are no different than you except for we know more because we study all day long. That's it. But our standing in the sight of God is exactly the same as any one of you. This is why for my first five years at, at, at Troy Church, I refused to pray for potlucks. Because church members, oh, we can't start potluck until the pastor prays like the pastor has some special thing, right? Right? Your prayer is just as good As a pastor's prayer And what I do when they say The pastor needs to pray I'll find a little kid And ask him to pray Just to show that God Hears the prayers of a child Just as much as a pastor Amen Because the difference Between a priest and a pastor Is a pastor teaches you To have your own Personal relationship with God And a priest literally Has a relationship for you Okay So Are we working? Oh, we're back to working again. Okay, so here's a doctrinal doctrinal recap. Ignatius elevated the bishops. Tertullian, ordination and distinction between clergy and laity. I don't like the phrase laity. I prefer disciples or church members. Because laity infers that I'm better than you. That's what it infers. That's what it was meant to do. Okay. Now most people don't know that And so you need to give people the benefit of the doubt That you've been to a seminar a week in camp meeting And they don't know what you know now Okay. So Irenaeus Apostolic succession um, Cyprian Pastors are now priests Augustine seven sacraments So there you have it So now what makes the Catholic church the beast What makes them the beast Is it because That they can go to They claim to have the power to go to confession? Is it that they change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday? No. It's because they have replaced the high priestly ministry of of Jesus with an earthly priesthood and is teaching that man must go to man. That is how the priesthood acts as anti or in the place of, instead of, in the office of Christ. If that makes sense, let the church say amen. They are the beast because they replace Jesus, not because they have changed the Sabbath or any other thing. The phrase antichrist in the Vines Expository Dictionary, which most pastors of every denomination have in in their library, antichrist, this Greek word antichristos can mean either against Christ or instead of Christ. So this is not an Adventist book or perhaps combining the two. What the apostle says of him so closely resembles what he says of the first beast in Revelation 13 and what the apostle says of the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians 2. That same person seems to be in view of all these passages, amen? So the antichrist can either mean against Christ and certainly if you're trying to take his place or shush him out of there, then certainly you're against him, right? Antichrist can mean instead of Christ or perhaps combining the two. That's what antichrist means in the place of, okay? So the beast is the beast because the power of the bishops under the apostolic succession, the earthly priesthood takes the place of Jesus and pushes him out of his role in the most holy place in heaven now. Okay, and it is this popular teaching of Christianity that God is ex- is against. He's not against them. He's against the teachings. Remember, in Revelation it says, "I am, I am, um, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans." Then it says, "I hate the doctrines of the Nicolaitans." This was a man named Nicholas who was teaching that we no longer need to keep God's law. So it didn't say, I hate Nicholas. It says, I hate his doctrines and his deeds. Friends, I had to take a, a trip when I was at Andrews an, on a music class to Notre Dame to actually go to the Basilica of the Sacred Heart and observe the whole service and write a paper on it. I was literally freaked out and waiting for them to come and burn me at the stakes for all my evangelistic meetings. I was absolutely creeped out statues of Mary everywhere the holy water and everything going in and what it, what I realized is I had spiritual prejudice when I observed everybody in that room they were quiet they were humble they were reverent they were very kind they understood that 35 pastors were there to observe and learn from 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 them and they were so patient with all of our questions and I realized that that we as Seventh Day Adventists have undue spiritual prejudice against Catholics and other, and other churches. We think we're better, to a large degree, and so with the, the religious or the the political climate and you know I'll just ask you a question: which is worse, political racial prejudice or spiritual? I'd say spiritual. Is worse because if your spiritual problems get fixed, then your political and your social problems get fixed, racial problems get fixed. You understand that we are all in Christ Jesus and we are not black, white, Mexican, Russian, whatever. We are, our new identity is now in Christ. Amen? So that takes care of all the racial issues right there in just Galatians chapter 2. You are all in Galatians chapter 3. Enough of that. So let's ask a question, now let's make personal application to Seventh-day Adventists today with the last 10 minutes. How does the elevation of the bishops affect how we view pastors and church today? What I'm teaching you is a phrase called ecclesiology. Anybody ever heard of this phrase, ecclesiology? Seventh-day Adventist pastors have not taught the church a biblical ecclesiology. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church or Hebrew word for church. It's the original language for church. It's how church does. It's how church functions. This ecclesiology is simply the study of church. What I'm teaching you is ecclesiology. You just didn't know the big word. How does the elevation of the bishops affect how we have view pastors today? So what happens? We hold evangelistic meetings. We give Bible studies. People come out of Babylon, but Babylon hasn't left them. They idolize their pastor, right? And, and, and another side note, how you treat pastors, especially with new Catholics, you can back me up on this. When a new Catholic, who's a real Catholic, comes into the church and they see people backbiting and fighting with the pastor, they are offended because they would never talk to their priest like that. And many new believer Catholics have left the church simply because of the church, because of disrespect. And let me make another note. If you have kids, don't ever Talk bad about church leadership in front of your children if you expect the elders and the pastor to have any positive influence on them whatsoever you are killing yourself and and, and being the the negative answer to your own prayers if you do that. you must uplift the church and what we do. To your children, don't talk about the things that you disagreed with the pastor's sermon on the way home, and chop the pastor's sermon all the pieces because you are teaching them how to not respect biblical authority. And that's not because I'm trying to get y'all to respect me. That's the truth of God's word, and I'm trying to get your kids into heaven too. Amen. All right, how does this affect? So Acts 2:46, continuing daily with one accord. Doesn't mean they drove around in one Honda Accord. It means that they were unified, right? Continuing with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the result was the Lord added to the church daily to those who were being saved. Daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching they is the disciples okay then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples what multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and with a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith and acts 834 those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word those who were scattered was the entire church and the disciples stayed back in Jerusalem in one place so When the church was unified in mission, when it was total member involvement, what did the text say the church did? It grew, right? And the pastors were in Jerusalem at this point, and the church, those who were scattered, went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word, and preaching just simply means talking about God or giving a Bible study, giving your personal testimony, is preaching. So this business where they say, Pastor, that's your gift, that's what you're paid for, Um, I'm not called to give Bible studies, that's not biblical. Amen, preacher! Preach it! I'll sit on the front row and say it myself. Okay. When Jesus said, Go ye therefore and make church members... What did it say? Make disciples. What's the difference? You tell me. A disciple is active. They do what? Teaching all things that I have commanded you. So Jesus has called every last converted person to get involved in ministry, not just a pastor, not just a couple in the church. Every last person, and that is the Great Commission, not Pastor Travis. Yes? Yes? Right? A disciple makes disciples. That's what they do. Colossians 1.23, And are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. And so what happens is people come from Babylon with the Babylonian mindset that the pastor is Superman, flying around the, the air, finding school buses that are falling off bridges, and he reaches up and grabs them and puts them back up on the, onto the bridge. Oh, pastor, there's something in the lost and found. Oh, oh, pastor, we need someone to pray for, for potluck. Pastor, I mean, you have a head deacon for that stuff. Any, literally, anybody can pray for potluck. Like, everything runs through the pastor, and the reason why it is because that is how the beast has trained the world to think okay so this elevation of the bishops has led to a lack of searching the scriptures because my priest slash pastor tells me what the Bible says you must be in the scriptures daily right X first Corinthians 15 31 says I die how often guess what that text is gonna say tomorrow same thing. So how much how much must you be in the scriptures dying to self daily? Every day. You must spend time with God every single day. Why wouldn't you want to spend some I mean I mean brother, if you met some really good-looking girl, right? And she loved you. You want to spend time with her, don't you? Why would you not want to spend time with someone who loves you, who gave you breath, who holds your next breath in his hand, who loves you and has a heaven for you to be when the world's on fire? Amen. A lack of searching the scriptures because my pastor tells me what the Bible says. Church becomes like drugs to people, and they come and they get their Sabbath morning fixed. Oh, pastor, that was such a good sermon. Look, we enjoy hearing that stuff, but what a pastor, what your pastor really wants you to hear is God spoke to me today. That's what I really want to hear. I don't need to tell you that it was a good sermon because I'm not preaching the sermon if the sermon doesn't move me. Amen? So a mindset that the pastor does most or all of the soul winning because where the bishop is, there let the church be, okay? This elevation of the bishops has led to my pastor is better than me mindset. Can't say amen, say ouch, okay? This led to a church member. A church member I will define as someone who pays tithe, prays, and go home. Let me, tell you, <laughs> let me tell you this. When I was in my 20s, I was always at Vespers. I was always at... I wasn't a pastor in my 20s. Like, five minutes before that, I should have been kicked out of the church. But when I gave Jesus my life, I became excited about the gospel, and anytime somebody talked about Daniel and Revelation, I was like... Bzz. I was like on it, right? Because those are my two favorite books, even when I was a total heathen in the church. And so, so... I would be at vespers. I'd be at prayer meeting. I'd hey. I'd even go to Sabbath school. Wow. Okay. Sabbath school. I would be at evangelism training. I never missed an evangelistic meeting, and it's not because I was single and you don't have kids, friends. How many other places are there in the world? Are there to be for twenty somethings? It's because I was interested. And be, that's, I was all really interested. That's because I was, I think, on the way to being called to be a minister of the gospel. But I got news for you. The Bible tells you in 1 Peter that you are all keep priests and kings, okay? You are all intercessors for other people and called to be teachers of the truth. That's what Martin Luther meant when he, he referred to the, the, the concept, the priesthood of all believers, okay? Then this here, when the pastor does everything or there's just a few Navy SEAL elders in our church, his name is Vladimir, right? He teaches all the, he gives all the Bible studies. That led to a demobilization of the church. So here's what happened. The church was out going all over the world. Um, it, was, it, was, it was evangelizing and the scripture says the numbers of the church were being added How? Daily. In other words, everybody felt they had a call from God to share the, the truth. And the result was the church was being blessed with numbers. They were blessed with conversions. And what happened was Satan's like, hmm, how do I how do I stop this? I'll teach the church that the pastor is better than them. I'll teach the church that the bishop is the show. I'll tell them that they are the laity and that he's the clergy way up there and we will, by subliminal messaging, put the pulpit way up there and tell them that the the pastor is better than them and therefore the church will have no burden to ever share their faith. This happened for 1260 years and we're still yawning and waking up to come out of that part of Babylon. Did you hear what I said? Okay, so that is how the church has been taught to, to, to go by Babylon. And friends, we must come out of Babylon spiritually too. Amen? All y'all have been given, the, hopefully, the Holy Spirit, and you've all been converted, and therefore you should feel a burden to win souls to Christ every last one of you and if you don't know how to give a bible study you have a pastor that does and let me tell you when i became converted I didn't need anybody to teach me how. I had historicals of prophecy, and I was just reading that piece of paper. Without that piece of paper, I would have been totally worthless because I didn't have all the experience that I do now. Just read the paper and open the Bible and let the Word speak and let the Holy Spirit do his thing. That's all you have to do. It's literally that easy. You want to you know how to get a Bible study? Let me show you. It's really hard. Hey, would you like to study the Bible? Yeah, it's that easy. That's it. Just ask, right? When the lions actually win a game, you don't have to take a class to how to talk about the lions, right? When there's a shoe sale at the mall, you get on the phone, girl. Look at this shoe sale. You don't have to go to 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 school about that, do you? Your excitement is what is contagious. Amen. We cannot have a sacramental, and we're done here. We cannot have a sacramental mindset. And the sacramental mindset is I go, it works no matter what. Church membership, church attendance, baptism, truth. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, I'm a vegan or whatever, and I'm automatically going in. No. Sabbath, oh, I go to church on the right day. Don't pat yourself on the back too hard because you can count. It's been in the Bible for 6,000 years. Our pastor, evangelism, and just because we're in a church that's led by a, a prophet that meets all the gifts... That passes all the tests of a spiritual prophet. Friends, we are saved by faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And if that's what you have really been put into your brain this week, then I think what we've done here is successful. You are not saved by doing, not by doing right or refusing to do wrong. You are saved by faith and all are called to intercede for others through prayer and all are called to share their faith and work with Jesus. Amen? How many here are going to go home and find somebody to study the Bible with? You have to now. Amen? And it ain't because of guilt, it's because this is what Jesus has called us to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for spending time with us this week. It has been such a privilege to be with you at this seminar. Lord, we ask that you would be with our hearts and our minds and give us new ways of thinking and to come out of Babylon spiritually. We pray this in Jesus' name, the only one who can do anything about our condition. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.